Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. They take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. In this new year, Yumiko is more committed than ever to promoting transparency and sustainability in their business practices, while staying devoted to eco-friendly production practices that will contribute to the longevity of a healthy globe. Yumiko is passionately focused on connecting and lifting our dance community to promote a more loving and equal world through the power of togetherness. The New York City flagship store is open to customers with limited hours, or you can shop online at yumiko.com. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to stay updated on new releases, live events, store updates, and all things 2021. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by Craig Hall, New York City Ballet Repertory Director. Craig was born in Maywood, Illinois. At the age of 14, he began studying at the Chicago Academy of the Arts and entered the School of American Ballet full-time in the fall of 1997. In October 1999, Craig became an apprentice with the New York City Ballet and joined the company in February 2000. In 2007, he was promoted to soloist. Craig is currently New York City Ballet Repertory Director and assistant to world-renowned New York City Ballet resident choreographer and friend of the pod, Justin Peck. He's also a guest teacher at Manhattan Movements Art Center, coach, and has given master classes and seminars across the country. We talk with Craig about his career, reminisce on some important advice from teachers, talk about his transition to becoming a repetitor, his first gig was with us at Miami City Ballet, and the work that he is doing now. Hi, Craig. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been wanting to have you on as a guest for so long now. I feel like we talked about it when Rabbit was happening in Miami. So we're finally here through the power of Zoom. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. It has been like 
what's that a half a decade ago <laughs> we talked oh. about that oh my god how <laughs> dare you mention number of years <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. no literally yeah yeah rabbit was 2016 that we did it in miami so exactly wow. half a decade ago and so you were there crazy. setting it on us with Janie taylor and we want to talk about those sort of things and we're gonna get there we're going to start first where we start with all our guests. Tell us a little bit how about how you first got interested in dance. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, grew up right outside of Chicago in a small town called Maywood. And at the age of four, which is pretty typical for a lot of dancers, um, my parents put me into a dance program in a local school. And I'm the middle child, um, middle of five. And so at that age, it's like, okay, this is what you do. Um, I was very hyper. I could not sit down, especially when you would hear music. And um, so I started out doing that, which was, you know, a weekend deal. And it turned into one day a week and then two and then three. And it got up until five. But it was still just a hobby. You know, I still mm-hmm. did other things. I did. It was part of our like church groups and sports and things like that. But I love dance. And my sister my older sister, she found an ad in, um, in the paper for performing arts high school in Chicago. And because she was the oldest, I think my parents were really um, a little hesitant to put her into things they didn't know about. And so she always wanted to dance and never got the chance to fully like pursue it outside of our, our local dance studio. So um, she saw something in me and we snuck downtown and we did the audition without my parents knowing about it. And I was accepted to the Chicago Academy uh, for the Arts. And I um, got in, we got in, my sister and I, we both, mm-hmm. we got into the school. And um, no, and so we came back and, you know, we had this whole like plan of how to tell my dad first, ease him into it. And then the three of us would work on my mom. <laughs> and so my dad was super excited about it. You know, he thought that it was a great, you know, great opportunity. We sat down and we told my mom, and right away, she said, no, no. like, nope, not happening. You're going to the local high school mm-hmm. that your sister and brother went to. And, you know, I like cried and I jumped up from the table and I told both of them that I hated them and they're ruining my <laughs> life. And, <laughs> and so, you know, a day or two went by and we brought up the conversation again. And someone from the school actually called us to check in to see how things were going. Mm-hmm. And that um, person, which getting into like the weird connections with dance was um, the mother of Tom Gold, dancer who performed with New York City Ballet. She worked at her school. Mm -hmm. I didn't know all of this at the time, but she said, you know, why don't you come down um, to my parents, come down to the school, take a look at it, see what it's all about. And it took that trip for my parents to really see that one, there was something besides, you know, a local dance studio that provided dance um, with what you could do in this world as Mm -hmm. a dancer, as a musician, a singer, a visual artist, they saw like a glimpse of like life toward, you know, to the next level. And um, they finally said yes. And that changed my world completely. Mm -hmm. I went from, a like a average student and a pretty bad sibling to all of a sudden being like an honor roll student, the most caring, compassionate person at home. Um, my relationship to my with my um, my entire family had changed, and mm-hmm. I like really do put it towards uh, me finding my my outlet and the arts really like saved me. So 
so I went there and fell in love with the school, fell in love with the, the whole process, fell in love with really just focusing on dance. Mm-hmm. And my sophomore year, I auditioned for the summer program at School of American Ballet. Um, and at the time, the Joffrey had just moved from New York to Chicago. Right. So I saw the Joffrey. The uh, company actually didn't have studios at the time. So they came and they used our space to rehearse. So I got to see this company and, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I see adults doing what I would love to do. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I thought I'm dancing with the job free. This is it. This is it. I'm going, I want to join this company and thinking, you know, well, not thinking that you want to do something, you're going to go ahead and do it. But because the company was right there, I just felt that this would, would be like the next stage. Right. And um, my friend, Alice Gold, Tom's mom, she said, you know, the Joffrey is an amazing company, but I think that you should get out of Chicago just for the summer and check mm-hmm. it out and see what, you know, what's going on. And um, I said, okay, you know, you obviously know more than I do. So I, um, I auditioned, I was accepted. I came to New York for the summer, and that was the summer of 96. Are we allowed to say years? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was the summer of 96, and it was like a movie moment, you know, mm-hmm. just stepping, like, um, off the plane while driving and flying in and seeing the city and then getting into the actual city and coming to Lincoln Center. And that was mm-hmm. my first, like my introduction to the city. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And that was it. E- even before I went into the school or even saw New York City Ballet Live, it's just, <laughs> I want to live in New York. So then um, during the summer, you know, they take some of the students up to Saratoga to see them perform. And I saw an amazing program. Um, I saw La Source and Fearful Symmetries, the Ted Fest, Ten Soldier, and Square Dance. That was the program. That's awesome. And so I saw all of these male dancers like dancing, doing like lots of movement across the stage. And and then that was it. So I finished the summer program. I was actually asked to stay for the year. And I was going... was this like in high school? Like was, were you it was sophomore? going into my, um, it was going into my junior. No, it was the end of my junior year. It was going into my senior year. So I had another okay. year of school left. Okay. And um, I called home and I told my parents, they want me to stay for the school year. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, my mom's like, nope, not happening. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but you don't understand. This is like this getting here could get me closer to a, like a life as a dancer, having a career, making money. And she said, you know, you can do whatever you want after high school, after high school, you'll be closer to 18. You can make those decisions. I just really want you to finish up um, a normal like high school life, which I mean, I went to a performing arts Academy. It was not normal at all, (laughs) but you know, I think normal close to them. And so I came back home and that year, from the moment I think September rolled around until June when I graduated, it was all about New York, New York City Ballet, the School of American Ballet, all of that, you know, even which is funny now, like the Joffrey was so like, oh, I can't even look at this company anymore. <laughs> I'm just all about anything. Uh, and it was, you know, it's just like uh, a silly kid. But um, and I auditioned again, got into the summer. I came back and I was determined to, you know, stay or be 
asked to stay. I was a little scared because they thought, you know, you turn them down the first time. So will they accept you again? And I was lucky enough to get the, get that, um, that moment. And I moved to New York um, in September, August of um, 97. And yeah. So in Chicago, were you living on campus? Was that like... You no, I um, okay. I commuted, which was so, a weird thing too. Yeah, my parents didn't want me to come into the city. I grew up in the okay. suburbs and just getting into the city was already like you mm-hmm. go into the city to see a show and you come home. Right. You don't actually like go as a teenager by yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I was thinking like if you had already been staying on site, maybe that would have been a little closer to the jump of like actually leaving home. But when you went to SAB, that was like the first time really, really leaving. Like you don't live at home no more. <laughs> like Correct. It's a new Correct. thing. Yeah. 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 And uh, my parents were always very protective. And um, even with like going to friends, um, to another friend's house, if it's far away, you know, it's like, call the parent first. Once you get there, you call me. So mm-hmm. I really did know that it would be like this uphill battle just right. to get, you know, some independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your training like in Chicago? And how did that vary to that balancing style once you got to SAB? Did you find it like really easy to transition to or was it a difficult transition? It was very hard for me. I think in the very beginning, well, my local dance studio, we had ballet, but it was just, it was like basic ballet with ballet music. Um, it wasn't until high school. So at 14, that was like my real introduction to serious um, technique and, and styles exactly. And I had a, a Russian teacher who trained in France. And um, in the beginning though, I actually, I hated ballet. I just, mm-hmm. I really wanted to do modern and jazz. I That felt better to my body and there were just too many rules and I felt it was too, <laughs> um, it was like suffocating at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the teacher, her name's Anna Paskevska and she said, um, you know, I think that there's something there. And if you trust me, um, I will like open this world up to you. Mm-hmm. And of course I was, I was very like defiant and hesitant in the beginning. And then finally I started to, um, to see the beauty and the freedom in, in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the biggest difference once I transferred over and came to SAB, um, it was the, the speed of it, the speed of everything. I felt like an elephant in the room, just trying to like get combinations and put it all together. And I thought it was impossible to actually move that fast and to actually have a true, um, kind of like awareness of musicality, you know, before it was, yeah, I hear the music and I'm dancing. And if you want to like finish with extra pirouettes, when the music is over, that's okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, nope. <laughs> when I finally came to the school, yeah, all of that was just kind of like stripped away or right. refined. And, um, and I had a lot of injuries um, in the very beginning, my knees were bad. I didn't have I guess I had more turnout in my hips and less in my knees and my fifth Mm -hmm. position just wasn't right. And it was the opening, you know, a couple of scenes of center stage, you would see like the feet (laughs) and then you would see the one dancer in the seven. And that was me. And I'm trying to like, I'm, I couldn't understand, you know, just how to get there and then not only hold it, but then open and close it again and get back to it. It was just in the very beginning, it was very, very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And um, also and our classes, there was one other male dancer in Chicago at my school. So it was the two of us. We were the best of friends. We um, 
kind of bonded together because it was just, it was just the two. Mm -hmm. And then you come to a summer program when you have 30, 35 guys in one class. I didn't know that was a possibility. Right. So just to see that and to see the classes cater towards male dancing, as opposed to general, you know, we will all do the same things. And occasionally you'll do a tour on Lair at the end of class with the one other guy, maybe once or twice, but we didn't focus on those things. So it was a true, like, an education for me once I came to New York to mm-hmm. learn ballet like properly or at least a balance chain properly. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about your, those early days at SAB where you were having trouble finding finding that fifth and not <laughs> wrecking your knees, like what was the path out of that? Did you have a specific teacher that you felt guided you or was it just personal work that you were doing? Um, what what um, helped get you from point A to point B? I mean, I think it was a combination. Um, One of the dancers that I actually like tried to follow because he seemed to be the star pupil at the time was um, Jonathan Peretta, Mm. Um, principal dancer, just retired from, um, from Pacific Northwest Ballet. And everything just seemed so easy to him. And I always felt that I needed an example in Mm -hmm. order to like get it. You know, the teachers could say something. And after a while, I think the teacher would say it. And it's like, if you're not getting it, then maybe like you're just not getting it today. So we have to move on to something Mm -hmm. else. And I, he would stand right across from me and he would demonstrate the combinations a lot. So it's like, let me try to do things like that and so I would mimic his style I couldn't really mimic the fifth position because this dancer had the most incredible turnout it was just like it would never happen for me but I think I started to focus more on not just the the um the fifth positions but I focused on the musicality I think that was something that was really huge um that helped me and that made me um express myself um I mean you can tell with dancers the ones who you actually see the music within their bodies as they're moving. And some people, it's like, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense. But I really focused on how um, the music did like hit me and trying to like put that out and show whoever's watching that I got every nuance in, within the music. Right. And um, I think that once I realized too that technically... I was not the best, but one thing that kind of made me stand out from others was partnering, which we had never, we had very little partnering in Chicago. Once I came to the city mm-hmm. and discovered that and discovered the relationship with an actual, another dancer mm-hmm. and that language, I fell in love with that. So I felt that partnering was kind of my, my escape. And Mm -hmm. I like, I went after that. And that was, um, there was one dance, one teacher at the school, Olga uh, Kaczynski, Kaczynski, I can't speak today. Um, (laughs) She um, told me this was after a um, rehearsal for the workshop performance that, um, that I would, she said, you would never, you will never be a jester. You will never dance those roles where you're doing the solos and flying across. Oh, thank the God. Who wants to do that? And I know. <laughs> I mean, this is how she put it. And you know, uh-huh. she said, your thing is, is partnering. You have mm-hmm. a gift, um, the way that you connect with your ballerina, with your, with your partners, that is your gift. And if you can understand that and go after that, I think that you'll have a really good career. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the beginning, 
Um, I think a young dancer doesn't want to be told you can't do this or you can't do that. You know, it's like, I will prove you wrong. I will try to jump higher than anyone else and do as many turns and this and that. And then I, it was a losing battle because that just not, that was not my, my path. And that was the thing that I kind of went after. Mm-hmm. So. so while you were telling this story, I was thinking like, I wonder if there was a moment where, because every dancer has some sort of weakness, right? It's very easy to be told this is your weakness and then you obsess over it and you're trying to get something that just really isn't going to be your strength. And I was thinking like, how did you realize that if I find my strength and focus on that and emphasize that, how will, then I can be my own dancer and this can be my strength and I can show that off. And I think it's so amazing that a teacher told you that this is your strength. Focus on that. That can be your niche as a dancer, as opposed to your turnout is terrible. You have to focus on that. I think as, as a teacher, as we're all teachers now, I think that's a great story to hear and to realize that you can help a dancer on their own path. Oh yeah, of course. Definitely. I think that what I loved about her is she didn't sugarcoat anything, but if you were willing to listen and understand and do some work to with yourself, thinking about like, what are they saying? Is it coming from like a hurtful place? Is it coming from mm-hmm. a place of love? Um, I think that it could really, like you said, it could steer you in the right direction. And I think after a while I realized, because I was one of the older dancers in the class when I, when I, um, when I came to the school, mm-hmm. that time was already a- against me. You know, I didn't come in for the school year at 15 or 16. Right. I was 18, turning 19. And that was a big, big difference. Mm-hmm. But I also realized that um, dancers, it's great to do everything or try to do everything, but you can't be great at everything. No, you can't, you know, and I think that when you do focus on those moments you should obviously try to strengthen some of the weaknesses that you have but if you fixate on it and you Mm -hmm. try to yeah just go after that then you are losing out on something else and i just realized not that i didn't have to work with partnering but it just it was so it just seemed so natural to me and i also will credit um, one of the best teachers ever jock soto he really just opened my eyes into like the the gifts and the like the freedom really of partnering and how it is not about making yourself as elegant as possible and I see a lot of dancers now too and you know for a a photo shoot or for you know for the perfect opportunity of course you should you know um, try to enhance the shape with something beautiful too Mm -hmm. but I think his main concern was the ballerina is the the focal point. And Mm -hmm. so you need to put yourself in whatever position possible to make them shine even more. And within that, like, maybe it's not, you know, the perfectly turned up leg and while she's an arabesque, Mm -hmm. but you kind of mold your body to her where it then turns into something beautiful itself. But the main focus is not about you. That's like so selfish. It is all about how you can make this ballerina or partner, whoever you're partnering, um, kind of shine. And I would study him after the school day. We were lucky enough at the time to, whenever we wanted to go across the plaza to see these performances. And I saw him 
perform all of these amazing roles. And then he would come back and he would take some of those things that he did on stage and teach us all of the, you know, the behind the scenes, the tricks. Mm -hmm. So once I got into that, um, and I wasn't scared of the, my partners. It's like, look at your partner in the eye and have a conversation and listen to them. And if it doesn't work, tell them and let them tell you. So it's a full, you know, interaction conversation that I felt very at home with instead of, you know, not wanting to look at them being shy. I mean, there are times I was obviously shy or scared while dancing with the ballerina, but I think that it is a conversation. It's a relationship and you have to discover, you know, how it works for the both of you. Right. Was there a point where um, you felt like your partnering skills were recognized and that was sort of leading up into an apprenticeship with New York City Ballet? Um, I think that it happened with a workshop the my second mm -hmm. year, uh, Christopher Wilden came and he was I think he was just named resident choreographer with the New York City Ballet. And he um, created a ballet for the school. It was the second ballet. And I danced the lead in the in the um, in the ballet. Mm -hmm. And I think at that moment, that was when it kind of hit me well you're dancing the leading role it's a partner you know it's a pas de deux mm -hmm. and there are a bunch of other talented male dancers that could have danced this but he wanted you and so something really started to click in, in there and um had a wonderful partner who danced um, in New York City Valley with me Faye Arthurs and she's a very close friend of mine that we we um we joined the company together. She was always kind of like my go-to person. Mm -hmm. I felt, you know, she was like my kid sister. So we were able to really just like spend time and yell it out when we needed to and fight and bicker. <laughs> but, um, but I think that that moment was the one where I realized that, okay, you do have something special. And what Olga told you is actually like, there's some truth to that. So mm -hmm. don't give up on the, the, other thing, you know, mm -hmm. because there are times where you won't be dancing with the partner. So you still have to, you know, um, to get to that level. But mm -hmm. what you have right now, really just like live in that and love that and express yourself as much as you can, because that's where you feel the most comfortable. And especially since you enjoy it so much, it, you know, oh, it makes yeah. sense to do that. Absolutely. Did That's Olga work with you on Send a Ballet? Was that? She did. Yeah. Because I know she stages yeah. it now. Olga, she worked on a Benjamin Millipier Ballet for my workshop. And like you talking about her giving these inspirational moments just brings back so many memories. She's She needs to come on this podcast because she, oh, our favorite thing was she would tell every story was about Swan Lake. It didn't matter what the story was. It's like <laughs> she'd tell you some lesson. Like, um, I don't remember what happened. I guess someone was pouting or like messed up. And she was like, let me tell you a story. One time, Maria Kurowski in Swan Lake, partner <laughs> drops her on head. Kurowski gets up, does five pirouettes. That is a ballerina. <laughs> that, and that right. is what exactly. you should do. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the beginning, I did think she was overbearing because mm -hmm. there seemed to be nothing ever seemed to be just right. It's like, this is good but there's still another level that you can mm -hmm. go to. Let's try to go to that always. And the very first step of the ballet uh, for us, when we enter, we enter upstage, stage left, um, already in a in a lift. So phased, uh, finishing an awesome blaze. So she's doing beats and she comes down into an arabesque and she made us stand off into the wings, both of us, Tandu Kwasi, 
uh, quasi front. And we have to, as we start to put weight on that front leg and Faye brushes the right leg up, um, we're standing there and she comes off stage and she's watching us. She says, let's practice the step. And I said, but the step is already here. She said, no, where are you coming from? And mm -hmm. that did make sense to me because it's like, why does the audience care? And it's like, well, of course you have to have some sort of like entrance or backstory. I mean, that mm -hmm. is like what the character is about, mm -hmm. but you know, young, naive, uneducated me didn't get it. And so we would stand there we would do the first step, put our heel down. No. And we're like, what? And she's like, no, it doesn't have enough passion. And so <laughs> we're like, okay. And I kid you not, we did it at least two dozen times mm -hmm. until the first step. She's like, it's like, it needs to be diamonds. Very, very, very tight and very perfect and so sharp that you could like slice something on it. Mm -hmm. And that opening step was the beginning of, she's like, this is the beginning of um, someone's story. And, you know, someone has never, or this was the premiere. So the entire audience, no one had ever seen this before. So we need to start off with like the most pure note. And I finally, I got it, but I was exhausted after because she would just say, this needs to be rubies. These are all diamonds. And she would wear lots of rings and she would show us it's like, it's like this. And um, so I was very thankful to have her in the very beginning of my career. And I don't know, I don't, I'm not pushing too far ahead, but um, when I retired, um, the last thing that I rehearsed, she was in Saratoga and she rehearsed me on my final thing. So I just thought that it was so amazing. And I have a recording of her um, working with us where, um, you know, I told her and I, she remembered, but she always kind of just pushes it back. I, I said, you know, it was at the time, what's the, what's the math there? 20, yeah, 20 years. There was 20 years when you started with me and you taught me my first like entrance. And now you're working with me on my last entrance. And this is just such a, a like a gift to have this person, you know, in my life like that. So mm -hmm. Uh, I'm yeah. getting a little teary. That's so nice. Oh, and no, then like how many times over your professional career without even thinking of it, before you went on stage, you were ready and like prepared and you weren't, you know, like it, like that entrance that meant so much to you, I'm sure. And then it was just something that became second nature to you. Like she was teaching you something so important that you couldn't even foresee being essential in your career, I'm sure. Completely. Right. Yeah. I love it. Ah. Yeah. The one thing that I, I hear um, her saying is, um, and it makes me laugh, but it gives me like such um, fire inside. She says, I want Carty instead of Kmart. And that has been like her thing. <laughs> Just like she wants, um, everything needs to be so expensive. like expensive and priceless. <laughs> and right now what you're giving me is something just like very Cheap and off-brand and basic. <laughs> so that's how I, I like to live that too. I mean, it's, it's like RuPaul says, I don't want to see any H&M, you know? <laughs> that's right. Oh my very, gosh. Um, very true. <laughs> So tell us about some of your your early years in the company um, as you started in the core and as an apprentice. What were some of the first opportunities that you started to get while you were in the company? Well, the first thing I did was Nutcracker, which was, you know, classic. very um, classic. Yes, I was a mouse and I did Spanish and I loved it. It was wonderful. And uh, the next thing I got to learn I think was glass pieces. Um, yeah, there was um, at the time, I think glass had uh, come back into the company's rep 
and the dancers who danced it before they were promoted or moved on. And I think mm-hmm. the new group was coming in and um, myself and Seth Orza, we joined together as apprentices and we were the new guys learning it. And so um, we came in and that was incredible because class pieces was the ballet, you know, just fiery and full of energy and such a community. And it was like pure dance and Seth got to do it. And I didn't. And that was my first like major, like, Oh, <laughs> why did this dancer get to do it and not me? And, um, and, you know, it was like, this is part of the process though. But I, I learned that you can't learn, you can, you will learn things and there are things that you won't do, but right, right now you're here to just experience all of it. And you, once you get more, um, and a lot of it too was, was timing, you know, it's like someone got injured and this is what happened. Right. And um, so as an apprentice, I, danced um Lavos. I danced in the core of Lavos. And actually with that, that ballet gave me my contract um, as an apprentice. You're an apprentice for at the time, I think it was 18 months. Mm-hmm. Or if you danced nine ballets, mm-hmm. your ninth ballet. And for some reason I think Lavos was the ninth ballet. And um, the dancer who got injured is the current artistic director of New York City mm-hmm. Ballet, Jonathan Stafford. And um, he does tell me this all the time that I was the one who, or he was the one who got me the contract. Oh, contract. Kind of this, the joke you that we him. always have. Yes. <laughs> so, and he actually got injured in glass pieces. So it was kind of like a tumbling effect. So um, mm-hmm. I remember dancing Lavos and all the dancers in the company knowing these are all of the grown ups to me, you know, right. and they all came up to me and, you know, congratulated me. And I finally felt like I, you know, had joined the the big leagues. So, um, so Lavos is a very special ballet to me. And that's the one that got me my contract. But I think that um, as we started to move on, a lot of choreographers would come in and I got to work with choreographers, new choreography. Mm-hmm. One of the first choreographers to create something um, on me was Kevin O'Day. He came in and he created a ballet called, called Swerve Poems. Um, I think it was 2000. And I was this young kid who danced next to Arch Higgins and Miranda Weiss and Albert Evans and Wendy. And, and I, um, had my first panic attack dancing with these <laughs> dancers. I remember we, um, I was, I think Kevin was creating like pas de deux and trios and it, whoever was in the studio, I think he would work with them. And at the time you start to build this pas de deux on Arch and Miranda. And for some reason, Arch was sick that day. And so he pulled me. And as soon as I started dancing, I could not breathe. And this was with Miranda Weiss, principal dancer who was like, yes, just like God. Um, And I could not take a single breath. It was the worst thing ever. The rehearsal had to end. She nicely said, you know what? I don't think we can do this today because basically this little kid's about to pass out. And I apologized to her. And years later, you we can laugh at it but I just I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to handle mm-hmm. you know that kind of like celebrity and know that I was somewhat responsible for placing her on her leg or lifting her over my head it just nothing came together mm-hmm. and that was a big wake-up call and there was another dancer who saw me 
go through all of this. She gave me a piece of advice. She said, I think you need to meditate a little bit. And I think you need to go to yoga. And um, this dancer, uh, Pauline Golden, she um, gave me this information and I did it. And I still do it to this day. And I'm actually married to a yoga teacher now. And, um, (laughs) but I, I just, I didn't know how to breathe. And I tell this to dancers all the time as teachers, you know, it's like, I'm moving, we're all moving. I said, are you breathing? You know, even in my zoom classes, I said, we're all on uh, mute. I want you to actually hear yourself breathing Mm -hmm. because we don't, we, we don't breathe. We don't breathe enough. We actually don't use that muscle. Mm -hmm. We'll use our legs and we'll use our feet and we'll do all these other things, but the muscle, the lungs, all of this, it is so important to help you dance. And that was the one moment where it failed me completely. I wonder too, because so I'm a yoga teacher. I don't teach as much right now, but I got into yoga later in my career as well. And I started to really see this really, not even just thinking about breathing, but coordinating it with your movement and how powerful that can be. Is that something that kind of you started to be able to, um, you know, bring into your dancing as well? Oh yeah, completely. I think that when someone would say breathe, I would just take a big, loud breath and <laughs> right, like, see, right, right. I did it. It's like, <clears throat> no, it's not about that. It's like, even in the plies, you know, it's a rise and fall. And I think once you can start to do that, and even when you lift the arm, you know, I feel that that is, it's a, it's a dance and you do have to do it. It is about the coordination there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took, it took a lot of time because you don't take into account the stress too and how labored it becomes when you actually are really stressed or when you're upset or when you're exhausted and how to preserve it, you know, for that last entrance or um, the Mm. thing I would do right before I had to come on to do the hardest thing. I would stand parallel position with my hands down, stand into Dasana and Mm. just kind of let everything go. And, you know, I would hear and feel the dancers going by me. And at first everyone thought that I was a little like, heady which I was I was in my head but it's like I really need to shut everything off in order to give myself that last burst of energy or it will all falter before the curtain comes down so um it's a beautiful compliment compliment yes um to to dancing yeah yoga and dance Ah, couldn't agree more total sense I mean I I didn't I didn't find a, a way to breathe that way it just kind of happened but I wish that I had found it because now this is taking me back to the early days like when you first started doing hard ballets oh my god and and it just like then when you do them 10 years later and you did learn how to breathe it's just night and day and you realized how hard Mm -hmm. you were making it for yourself like the first time you did square dance or the first time you do allegro and you're young and you're just like I will die yeah. yeah, will not yeah. make it to the end of this. And it's, right. it's funny, too, because I we had a teacher at Miami City Ballet who would talk a lot about breathing. And we were like, as a young person, we're like, oh, please, that's so weird. And she would like make noises and we'd be like, aha, I kind of like laugh at it. And right. I remember when I got in the company and I was doing flowers and I was dying. And this one of the company members said to me, you know what Jetta tells you about breathing? Do your breathing now. And I was like, okay. And then I tried it and I was, it was yeah. life changing. I'll never forget. It, it was life changing because all of a sudden it wasn't just these short breaths. It was like really using it and utilizing it. And I talk about it all the time when I teach too. I just think it's so, so powerful. So I love hearing mm-hmm. you talk about that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I love this little detour. We've never talked about breathing. On I, podcast, I don't think. <laughs> Does anybody think about breathing when they do pirouettes? I like to tell my students that when you spot three little. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, kids never think about that when oh. you're younger. Ooh, you just I don't. Just think to about circle it. it back to Miranda, this is a different thought on pirouettes that I heard that she says, like, you don't do the first one. You, you that one doesn't count because you're already going around. So you just go. You're once you're around is when you start counting. So you just do one. one. It's a single yeah, it's all just, time. A triple is really two pirouettes. So you just go right. one, two, get around, and then funny. do two more. Well, I've never heard that, but I was just telling dancers the other day with um, pirouettes on Dior, because they think you lose your spot. And they say, yeah, it's the second spot that really counts. Like you, mm-hmm. once you come around, ideally you want to hit the position before you get around the first rotation, because the quicker you are in the position, the better chance you have to balance instead mm-hmm. of fighting yourself, trying to get to the position. But I say, we keep losing the second one. So forget about the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't say it with, um, Andior, but I do, you know, with underdog pirouettes, I always just say like that second spot's the one that finishes right. and then come down. So it's interesting. Or dancers will count down, which is everyone has their own like method, which I think this is too much. I can't worry about you know, oh, that's numbers. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could still do a pirouette. Three, two, I would try one, it. Down. Yeah. That's so. fun. <laughs> um so fun. I love these tricks. Awesome. My other little like this is a Susie Pill trick, Susie Pillar. Um if you are this is, I'm really, we're going into the weeds here, but okay. I, I love, it. I love this one too. Cause it, you know, especially on your bad side, like you tend to like dip on the supporting side, you don't hold okay. yourself, but she says to put the opposite arm on top. Like mm-hmm. say I'm turning to the right, you would usually put the left one on top, mm-hmm. but you actually just sneak the left into the right and then you support your whole right side. Look at that. Yeah. Fun thoughts. I do okay. love that. Enough. <laughs> okay. Enough. Back to Craig. Um, <laughs> so, but what were some of your first big opportunities? I'm your original cast in Polyphonia, right? I was. And yes. that's like, that was, again, another moment where you were on stage with all these really seasoned dancers or, mm-hmm. you know, people, Ancinelli was Hi. not seasoned, but she was really becoming a big deal at that point. So, yeah. um, what was that, that like was, for you? Um, it was less terrifying, the process, because I had already um, created this relationship with Chris. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I felt that he was a major advocate for me and my dancing and trusted me. And Jock was my teacher. And Wendy was my idol. But she was, mm-hmm. you know, so like nurturing um, Jason Fowler was a part of that group, uh, Sebastian Marcovici, Jenny Samoji, and Jenny Tensley. And so it was like a group of, of like um, the posse of like no egos and no, um, uh, it was just like, we want to come in and Chris is creating something and let's just like figure it out. And the first thing we did was we started at the beginning, which um, the opening section is called Disorder. And the music is very difficult to hear and to count. And we were all each four, it starts off with four couples doing the same sequence, but it's all broken up. And it was such like a mess that it took us, you know, it took us such a long time to learn it, but we would like mess something up and start laughing. And it was just a very relaxed kind of Mm -hmm. atmosphere. So, and Ensinelli was, um, it was my first time partnering with her. She was younger than me, but she was already a um, 
I think she was a soloist, uh, almost promoted to a principal at the time. I looked up to her because she had this amazing talent, but she was already like seasoned at mm-hmm. such a young age, kind of primed for the big time. And so yeah. I think that I kind of, I watched how she did it and kind of took, you know, some notes from her, but she was always just so hungry for like movement and um, choreography that that kind of kept me, tried to keep me at her levels. And we had a very quiet pot of dinner, a short pot of dinner in the middle of it. And she has this beautiful, very haunting solo And um, that part was very, very scary because she was the type of dancer that what we did in the studio, a lot of times we didn't do on stage. Mm -hmm. She wanted to create um, whatever she was feeling. It's like, I want to go with this and you're coming with me. It's like, we didn't practice this. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but it taught me because I've had a lot of like partners that, you know, it's like how I'm feeling today is what I will bring onto the stage. And if you said you were with me, you better be with me when the curtain goes up. So I was always on my toes with her and um, she kept things exciting. But by the time it's the shortest pot of dip, but by the time it finished, that's when I like the breathing didn't kick into. I would come off stage like, and I would be exhausted, uh-huh. you know, just from like the nerves of is she going this way? Is she deciding to add throw in three extra pirouettes when we've mm-hmm. only practiced, you know, like four finger turns? And but it was it definitely it kept the live theater mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and to be a part of a ballet that I now realize was kind of um, such like a major like opener for Christopher Wilden and for his career as a choreographer and such an iconic ballet that, you know, is was not only known as New York City Ballet, but so many wonderful companies around the world now have danced it. And to know that I was the part of the original cast is yeah. it, it's like, wow, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, that ballet was really special in that, I feel like at the time we were pretty starved for something that was a classical ballet. I mean, it's a neoclassical work, but it's like you, my definition is always like, if you had to do a ballet class that day to dance the ballet, then it's a ballet. If you mm-hmm. could, you know, if you're rolling in mud, it's a different situation. But yeah. like that yeah. was like, you know, like seeing real technical components and like his use of point work and, and things like that. It was like, oh, someone's making ballet again. Like we're not all just doing like, I don't know, it, contact improv, which is cool too. But, you know, ballet, ballet yeah. was kind of back with that. So that's so cool that, that you were, you know, part of that sort of rebirth. Yeah. But um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about more, more like what sort of um, roles you did that kind of helped you build to a point that ultimately led to your promotion in 2007. Yeah, I think that... Um right around that time after polyphonia um i learned afternoon of a fawn mm-hmm. and actually in the very beginning of that um i was called in and uh jean-pierre frolic and victor castelli were um both working on the ballet and i came in with ancinelli and they called me for rehearsal and then they didn't call me again and at that time that was that ballet it's about, you know, a young mm-hmm. student in the studio being natural and being very like in tune with themselves and sensitive to their partner. Mm-hmm. And this is something we do every single day. But when you're told to perform that, 
you actually can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know how to be normal. You don't know how to look at yourself in the mirror like you normally would do. Right. And I just didn't pick up on just the subtleties of it all. And so they told me at the time, like I was, they didn't tell me, but by me not being called back, mm-hmm. it was a clear sign that you're not ready for this. Yeah. But shortly after um, I was called back to that and a bunch of our great male dancers retired, uh, Jock and Nikolai, Peter Bull, Damien, mm-hmm. Albert, Philip Neal, like that basically. Was, that's the- that really, yeah, now that I think about it, because they were all like, I mean, they were on every single night, all them, a lot of them in two or three ballets. And then they, they all happened. They all retired in really close proximity to one another. I didn't yeah, think about I think how. 2004, that, 2005. Yeah. yeah. It was like, uh, I mean, our entire like male roster mm-hmm. um, had retired all of our teachers, all of our mentors, basically. And some mm-hmm. stayed, which was great, but some moved on mm-hmm. to other companies and with that, I think it opened up this like space for new young talent. Mm-hmm. And um, I think everything kind of happened right around the time when um, Jock retired, Wendy needed a new partner. Mm-hmm. And this whole conversation, I guess, happened. Obviously, it happened without me because I didn't know. But there was a um, <laughs> there was a uh, festival. It was the Nereev Festival in Hamburg. Um, the year after Jacques retired and they wanted Wendy to come to dance after the rain, which was the ballet that was created on Jacques and Wendy for his retirement and Agon Padadou, which is another ballet that they danced together for many years, very mm-hmm. iconic for them and their partnership. And, um, I rehearsed Wendy. I mean, I got the phone call from Chris. He said, what do you think about dancing after the rain and maybe, a, um, Agon with Wendy in Germany? And I said, uh, Sure, okay. of course, <laughs> you know, well, well, yeah, okay. And then I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, I can't do this. What is going on? This is this is too much. So mm-hmm. we rehearsed in the summer. Um, Albert came and helped us with Agon. Wendy taught me um, on a video. I don't know where Jock was, but she taught me on a video and I had like watched the ballet. That was the ballet where everyone in the company, if you were on that night, you were in the wings watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, even if you had the last ballet, you run downstairs because you realize that these opportunities wouldn't be there always. Right. And so this is like, this is class and you need to come and you need to take in like all of the learning you can from these two. Mm-hmm. So um, she taught me the ballet and she taught me both of them. We get to Hamburg and we perform we do a dress rehearsal the entire company Hamburg Ballet is sitting along the sides watching the Americans or watching Wendy and mm-hmm. Wendy's partner I don't even think I had it Wendy's partner. <laughs> like yeah it's like Wendy's here and Wendy's partner and so um one of the first things that we do uh after we finally get together is you pull uh, your partner to your chest and you open your arms and you let mm-hmm. your hands kind of float down like leaves and her head goes to your chest before she does this iconic back bend where she lands on the back of her wrist and her head. I don't know mm-hmm. how anyone <laughs> does this, but she did it. And um, she tells the story when she put her head to my chest and she hears my heartbeat and it's fluttering so quickly. And she thinks, and this is, she tells me later, but, oh my God, this little baby bird is about to have a heart attack on stage <laughs> and I won't be able to finish this ballet. How, what is going on? And so, you know, she just like, I remember her kind of just like slowly kind of looking at me and just like being extra gentle. She's partnering me, basically. Mm-hmm. She's partnering my emotions and we got through it. 
And she tells me later, she said, I don't know how we did it, but I thought <laughs> you would totally just like lose it on stage. <laughs> and after that, every single time we've gone on stage, she looks at me and she's like, we got this, we can do this. From that moment on up until the last time we danced together, she always pulled me in to let me know that like, you are my equal, you are my partner. I am looking for you to be there for me. Like I will be there for you. Mm -hmm. And that just gave me such a huge like confidence booster, knowing that this prima ballerina, amazing Wendy Whalen is like, looking to me to like help her and do something. So when we came back from Hamburg, she told Chris, I think she told Peter Martins and, you know, like, I think that it was kind of now starting to be established that this kid right here can like hang and, and partner. Mm -hmm. And so I started to get more roles. I danced the cage with her. I finally got a chance to do afternoon of a fawn with Janie Taylor and with Erlene Hilton. And um, I danced a lot of the other new pieces that came in. I know Yorma Evo came in and created a ballet for us. And um, um, Chris, he brought uh, DGV from the Royal Ballet to mm -hmm. us and I danced the pot with Wendy and uh, Wayne McGregor and all of the people who came in to want to work with Wendy Radlonski. I was the guy who was able to dance with her. I mean, she mm -hmm. still went through the roster of all the, all the dancers within the company, um, but I was one that, you know, she felt, okay, this is, we can pull him out. And yeah, yeah. So I think mm -hmm. that, that that definitely, that helped. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about working with new choreographers, there was one who would become a particular significance to your later career. Um, you were in the original cast of Year of the Rabbit, um, which was Justin Peck's first ballet at State Theater. Uh, I think increases had performed the summer at Saratoga before, but so mm -hmm. how obviously you and Justin, you know, forged a pretty wonderful relationship. Was that like that right at the beginning? Did you feel a connection to his work and him as a person with that first process of, of creating You're the Rabbit? Um, a connection to his work. Yes. A connection to him. No, he <laughs> jokes now because I would like tease him when he came in. He was, you know, the freshman and I was the upperclassman. And I did think that there was a little bit of, you need to prove yourself before we can actually let you into this group. Mm -hmm. He says though, that Rebecca Crone, uh, another rep director who <clears throat> was a principal with City Ballet had to tell me one day, it's like, you need to stop being mean to this guy because this is just horrible. And I'm like, was I really that mean to him? And he says, you were pretty, you were pretty horrible. In this <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And I don't remember, but of course you block out the things that, you know, make you look a little less glowing. Um, but he did say that um, there was a ballet we were working on and I gave him some partnering notes. And he said, just the way that I describe things, it always stuck with him because he realized that I could speak to another dancer and kind of give them some cues to help them out with their own mm -hmm. performance. And, um, but when I saw the first time I actually saw his work was for the 10th anniversary of the um, New York Choreographic Institute. Mm -hmm. We did a collaboration of um, works from previous years 
um, up at uh, Columbia College at a small theater there. And Wendy and I danced a pas de deux by Jessica Lang, and Justin did a section of Year of the Rabbit. And I saw it, and it's like, oh my gosh, this this kid basically has some major talent. There's just look at the way that he's using this group of dancers, mm -hmm. look at the musicality. It was just like all coming together. And I kind of gave him, I think like a head nod. It wasn't like, this is amazing. It's like, <laughs> you, you, you got something there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I got to dance year of the rabbit, which was such a blast. It was so amazing to work with someone so young and so present, but I think that he started to, um, really create these communities within his ballets, which I love. It's very like Robbins-esque, Robbins-esque, Robbins-esque. Robbins-esque. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pop singer. It works. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, he, um, he just really took um, a group and people would come out and do solos and do pause and things, but it was all about like this like little community. And if we don't have each other working together, we won't survive. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it was such a, um, an amazing uh, thing to see him move. Yeah. In these wonderful geometric shapes that seemed to flow so organically and nothing seemed forced and the music was great. And it was just, it was such a cool experience. Um, and that was the first first time I got to dance with him um, or dance something of his. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And I then, find that interesting. Oh. It seems like he, you were already sort of on his radar um, when you gave him notes for part partnering. He knew that you already could kind of communicate notes. You were obviously a very intelligent dancer and you could share that. So when did, and not to jump ahead too much, but I do want to hear when you started working with him in the capacity of a repetitor and setting his ballets for him. Well, after Rabbit, I think he did a few other things. And the one ballet <clears throat> I just want to put in was Everywhere We Go that I saw yes. him create. Mm -hmm. And this was the one after the ballet. I was in tears watching from the audience. Mm -hmm. And I sent him a text message. And I the first line was, um, what I'm about to say with you to you, I'll never repeat again, even though I'm repeating it now. But, <laughs> um, I will never repeat it again. And if you come to me and ask about it, I will I will pretend as if it's ne it never mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. But I said, you know, you have created something incredibly magical for this place. I've seen dancers that I've worked with for years and you've shown me like a different side of them. You showed mm -hmm. me something that they kept stored inside, uh, stored, you know, hidden. And what a talent that you could pull this out. And I'm so excited about the future of New York City Ballet because mm -hmm. I just think that you have created this like light for all of us. And um, he had his repetitor at the time was Albert Evans, mm -hmm. who had just retired. And Albert at the time, um, he'd gotten sick and he was unavailable. And so Justin, I remember we were on the plaza at Lincoln Center, right outside the Rose Building. <clears throat> and he said, I have something to ask. And I don't want you to like, just listen to what I have to say first. And then we can talk about it. He said, you know, I'm, I'm creating a lot of things and I just can't be, I, um, other companies are now asking for, for works mm -hmm. of mine and I just can't be everywhere at the same time. And I really want, um, you and Janie Taylor to go down to Miami city ballet 
to set this ballet, to stage this ballet. <clears throat> He's like, what do you think? He said, but um, the reason I'm asking you is obviously you two danced this ballet. I loved you in it. And do you remember when you told me this in rehearsal? I'm like, no, I don't really remember. But he said, I, I do think that you have something there. And this could be a great opportunity. I don't know what you're thinking about, you know, like after this, but maybe this could be something that, you know, you could segue into. Mm -hmm. And I was not thinking that at the time, you know, um, I was thinking more about it. I was getting close to like retiring. And really, I thought, like, I want to be a photographer. I mean, I had like mm -hmm. uh, done photography with the company and, you know, some outside stuff, but I really wanted to segue into that. I thought I'm done with this ballet world. Once it's time to like finish up, I'm going to finish up. And what's the fun in being in a studio if you can't dance? That's what I like honestly thought. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, after thinking about it for a while and talking with my husband and talking with Janie She's like, this could be fun. Mm -hmm. So we went down. And was that, it fun? I mean, it changed my, <laughs> that changed my life forever. It mm -hmm. was more than fun. I think that I was lucky because we kind of hit the bullseye with um, our first job with the right company. I think that I probably would not have had the same feeling at New York City Ballet. And I think that only because it's such a big company and there's so much, I think there's so much energy I mean, Miami has an insane amount of energy, but I think that you guys were like the right fit with like, it seemed like the the right community. Mm -hmm. Everyone seemed so like tight knit that, um, and excited for like young people to come down oh to like, mm -hmm. I mean, we felt yeah. really, we felt like babies. First of all, we we're like, we don't know what we're doing and we were I hope like, come that this on works in. for you guys. Yeah. But it, it, it did work. And I realized that not only do you still get to dance, you don't get to perform it, but who cares about that now? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you get to learn all of the parts and you get to tell all of like the stories that you've heard while creating it. And you get to tell people what you think during this part or what you see. And um, it was like this big puzzle of a beautiful picture that you got to put each piece in. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I wasn't just, you know, looking at the part that was created on me. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the ladies sliding on the ground. I was looking at the other potted up couple and I'm looking at, you know, is the lighting okay? And are the costumes or the belts? It was like everything. So I felt that I was like a part of, I felt like I, Janie and I, we were the team, you know, of the whole thing. So it just really opened my eyes from, you know, being one little piece of it to, looking at all the pieces, creating the box by, you know, like, it was just, it was all of it. So, mm -hmm. um, so I came back to him and I said, I love this. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Miami was crazy. I mean, it was like so many wonderful dancers and I got to like connect, reconnect with some faces mm -hmm. from the past and meet a, a lot of new people. And, and the beach was right there and it was, <laughs> 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 what well, was really fun I mean the, the whole experience was so fun but it was one of the first times we had had like a team like that like male and female and so mm -hmm. I remember that like Janie would take the girls in the back you would take the gentleman in the front and we would like you would teach each section then we would come back together and that was such a cool 
way to work on it? Was that something that made you feel, especially for your first gig to kind of like, okay, I have Janie here. Like we, it's like a little bit less to have to deal with instead of having the entire, entire cast to have to know every single moment. Oh yeah, completely. And I think that she taught me too, because I thought, well, I know what the guys do, so I can do that. But then I would sit in on some of those rehearsals and even, um, with the opening solo of uh, the very first movement, the soloist dancer, I would watch her talk about how to like place your feet in the shoes because Mm -hmm. it's something that as a male dancer, you really don't think of bully unless you're partnering. And I know what they need to feel in, or I know what I need to do to make them feel good, but I don't know what it's like to all of a sudden nail off a double pirouette and then do a quick little Asia Mm -hmm. pace and, you know, go through the shoe, like all of these things. And so I learned the ballet and that side from her. And then we would sit and we would talk. And before we came down, she's, um, insanely, um, organized and she yeah. had all of these wonderful work <laughs> workbooks and beautiful handwriting and she had these stickers and so each dancer was a different mm-hmm. smiley face um with a different color and so that was my first thing I still have my original rabbit books where everyone Michael you're like green and you know just like all of these it was so and we're drawing these things out and I felt that I was in like art school again you know just it was so much um, of putting it together and then Justin came down I think halfway through and got to see mm-hmm. some of it yeah and Sounds he like- was also blown away by it too it's like wow you guys did this this is something that I created and I wasn't in the room mm-hmm. while you like gave these this information to recreate it and um and it was just it was all like new tastes. It was like flavors I had never experienced mm-hmm. before. So when I left, I had like a more like um, expansive like palette, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and I was then I was hungry for it. That was like my new my new drug. I felt uh, you're making me miss it so much. <laughs> like we just we've not had this in uh, over a year now. Yeah. So yeah. But it'll come back. And no, I I was thinking when you talk about Janie, you you also now you have like super wonderful organized notes that like I could not have done rodeo without. And I was just thinking, like, have you had to stage a ballet that you've been in the room from the beginning on? Like something that you weren't a dancer in, but like you were just Justin's ballet master for? Yeah. Um, The first one was um the uh, what's the name of it it's called uh new blood new blood that's right uh-huh. <clears throat> sorry he's done a lot of ballets now so i'm just kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah um and steve reich is the music and so i was in there actually minus like two days because mm-hmm. in the very beginning Jonathan Stafford was the rep director mm-hmm. for, or the repetitor for uh, Justin. And he gave me his notes that um, he wrote down, but then had his now wife, Brittany Pollock, rewrite with better mm-hmm. penmanship and gave to me. <laughs> so I had two days of notes. And after that, we, then I was there from that process until the very end. So that was the mm-hmm. first one where I guess like 99% of it, mm-hmm. um, not as a dancer, but just as a repetitor and spectator trying to retain the information. Um, I'm just curious because I, I've never done it that way. And it seems like 
like on the one hand, if you dance the ballet, it's in your body, especially if you've done more than one part in it, that's great. But then the other way, which is like me learning from your notes that are so comprehensive or Janie's like, and you guys have been on those ballets, like it's harder to sit next to someone while they're creating and watch them like undo what they just did. And then you have to scribble that out and you're trying to like hear what counts he's saying to someone in the corner. Like, is that, do you have to do a lot of extra work then to take that ballet to the new company? Um, yes. Well, there are a handful <laughs> of things. One is I stopped writing in, in pen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was like one thing I was like, don't write in pen. You just kind of cross yeah. things out. And then it's like, you know what? Don't write every single thing down. The only thing that I can kind of, um, kind of equate it to is when you learn to drive on like the expressway for the first time or the freeway, and you need to get to a location. You look at every single sign and you mm-hmm. think, does that matter to me? Uh-huh. You know, this town that's not even like a part of my path, that's nine miles this way. Should I go there? Like, <laughs> no, you already know what you need to do. And then as you start to drive more and more, you start to weed out the things that don't really matter. And not mm-hmm. to say that the choreographer, their whatever they say doesn't matter, but I know him enough that when he does something, when I see it, I'll do it too. I always come in like dance clothes. I still, mm-hmm. to this day, I have to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what will happen when I get to the point where I can't move. <laughs> if I do, I probably won't still be doing this job because <laughs> I do feel that you have to have some sort of like feeling your mind has to like know what it's like for the arms to go in or what's happening with the legs. <clears throat> I'm not flying across the stage, but I do have some sense of like physically what that's like, Mm -hmm. but I'll see him do something and then he will watch the dancer. And a lot of times I'll look and I'll say, well, he did the arm this way. So if I write this down and then the dancer does it that way, if he likes it that way, then these notes no longer matter. Mm -hmm. So I still, I watch until he puts a phrase together and then I'll start to do like a sketch of it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I'll start to feel fill it in a little bit more. Like on this note is where this arm goes. I know that that arm will always be there because it hits the music so nicely. And then I'll start to do that. And mm-hmm. thankfully nowadays we all have smartphones and he records something after. So I'll take something. And the beauty of the iPhone is you can do the slow record, especially if he does something really intricate. I always do a slow record. I will like have the recorder there if there's like a series of things and then I'll break it down that way. At the end of the day, I would fill in those missing pieces. But a lot of times we do come back and he will like slice this part off and kind Mm -hmm. of put it to the side. He always creates, you know, like more meat than is Mm -hmm. actually going in the sandwich. Right, right. So so we have things that are like left on the cutting room floor and it's like, but what about this section? And I detailed (laughs) this so nicely. And it's like, well, it doesn't work in the ballet now. Right, Um, right. Yeah, yeah. But he is key too with, um, it's all about the music and he'll send the music before and he'll send some general notes. I'll plug it into my app where I play the music And then I'll start to create mine too. So in between these big minute long chunks, then I'll break it down if it's eights or 16s or 12s. So once the music is already laid down, you have like a nice foundation and then you can start to plug in the details, which makes it easier by the time you move on. You'll look at something and I might have a piece of music that has like 100 like notes on like 
hormone four. And then I'll see it in the beginning. It's like four A's of this. Don't forget about that. You know, just, mm-hmm. I can make it more detailed now because right. I know the language that I've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you've created quite a language. It is very organized and detailed. It's pretty wild. And I don't want anyone to ever see my chicken scratch in relation to what you put out. <laughs> no, but I, I find this really interesting. Thanks I to lo- Janie. I love Uh, that Michael, so Michael had told me this, that when he first started, you know, setting Justin works that he talk with you and talk with Janie. And so for something that is such a specialized talent, I love how you guys are collaborating and sharing and you're each growing your own path within it. I just find it like really interesting that you guys collaborate in that way. And I think it's something that the audience doesn't always think about how important your job is, A, and then how organized you have to be, how you have to create your own essentially language for this. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a great um, app called Stage Right that's made for Broadway. And basically... um, it looks like if you're like a, a sports coach, like a football, the football team is around and you're showing the different like plays, that's exactly what it is. And you can kind of like an animator, just fight through mm-hmm. the pages and you see how the dancers move across the stage. And I find that very useful So cool um, for a dancer. Yeah. Instead of, you know, we watch a video sometimes, but it's like, this is your path. You're upstage of this person. You go left of that one. So we get, you know, a nice visual. It's something that I use all the time when I'm creating ballets with big groups. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it's Love so that. cool. So before we have to get off, let's do our lightning round yes. where we'll just ask you a quick question and you tell us what comes to your mind. Um, if you could come back to the stage tomorrow and dance one role, what would it be? Uh, afternoon of Vaughn. Love it. Love it. Um, is there a role that got away that you were not able to perform in your career, but wish you had? Hmm. One that I probably, I never wanted to do, but maybe I was just, I said, I didn't want to do, but maybe deep down inside, I really did was, <laughs> um, was La Source, the male uh, variation. Yeah. 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 yeah that variation nope. is so beautiful. It is, but, but I would watch, yeah, I would watch it and I'm like, oh, this is so hard. I could never do this on stage. And so it's like, I would always say that, but I huh. think deep down inside, I'm like, you, you really want to do this. Yeah, that connection <laughs> to your first city of ballet performance, of course. Yeah. Um, do you have a dream ballet to stage? Um, hmm. I think it would be one of the bigger like balancing ballets, like uh, 40s or Agon. Mm-hmm. They do some balancing things, but it's always like with a pot of dough or a small group. Right. I don't not get to work with the big groups, but mm-hmm. I just love those two ballets. I feel like it's uh, it has such history and it's mm-hmm. the foundation of New York City Ballet that, um, yeah, I would really love to dig in deep with that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a ballet that's been created since you retired or maybe that you've worked on that you would love to have been able to dance? I'm just racing. Mm. And lastly, <laughs> is there something um, since the pandemic began that has really been getting you through like a book or maybe meditation or, uh, you know, a specific yoga teacher or class, just something like that. That's really rounding you in, in these unprecedented times. (laughs) Um, you know what? I mean, I would say definitely yoga, yoga Mm -hmm. with, uh, my husband, um, 
he teaches and I'm in the other room and I'll, I'll hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll hear his classes. Uh, we can't share the same zoom thing because of feedback or it's weird. Mm-hmm. So I'll take his class, but I've, I have realized too, going back with the breathing. I think that we all, or I should speak for myself. I have, I've stopped I, from the beginning of the pandemic up until like a good portion of it. I felt like I like the, breath was gone from me. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to process anything, mm-hmm. you know, waking up early, not having like a regular sleep cycle, just normal or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that a uh, breath is now starting to come back, but one of the things and I don't want this to sound cheesy, but I think that what's been giving me life too is like the kind of um, passion and the discipline of the dancers that I teach on zoom, Mm -hmm. I think that that is because it's been such a crazy year. And to know that these like expensive race cars, I'd like to think of them as like the most expensive, you know, that are in a garage, just kind of like you turn, turn it on and you're like moving, but you're not actually going anywhere. And to come in every single day to push with the hope that, you know, we will get to a better place um, to see that and to be a part of that and to know that like what I'm doing is somehow keeping them primed. Mm-hmm. I think that it goes back and forth. I, I'm very thankful that um, and lucky that I got my career and it's over. I don't know how I would really know how to process all of it if I still had time left. And um, so my heart goes out to all of these dancers, but I realize that they are these very intense like soldiers with like armor on that you know you they're resilient they keep coming Mm -hmm. back and they keep pushing they keep fighting and I'm hoping to take all of that once we get back to the stage Mm -hmm. with perspective and with all of this hard work and with breath and Mm -hmm. to create an even stronger group of incredible artists so that's been giving me life really quickly you've been doing some um workshops right online on zoom do you have one coming up that you want to plug that people could be a part of? Um, I do some workshops. We have nothing like fully yet, but my husband and I have been doing these like um, workshops. It's a uh, yoga and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, I'm into uh, it. We'll do yeah, some stretching, some dance cardio, some floor work, some breathing, a little uh, meditation. It's uh, we've coined it as live your best life. Um, so we're yeah trying to figure out how we can, put it in the right place but Mm -hmm. every thursday i'm teaching a ballet class on um balletogether.com um yeah so and the rest of the time i'm just teaching at the school and teaching company class at new york city ballet but Mm -hmm. um we'll see what the future holds and hopefully we can get back into the studios and stage very soon i hope so yeah thank you so much craig that was so wonderful and we can't wait to share with everyone Thanks, guys, for having me. This has been great. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.